You are listening to the Indie Game Development Podcast Show, sponsored by Curiosoft Kids Games and the letter E. Visit the Indie Game Development Podcast site at www.indiegamepod.com. Okay, welcome to the Indie Game Development Podcast. Uh, with me today is another guest. How about you introduce yourself? Hi, well, I'm uh, Brian Green. I'm often known online as Psychochild. Um, most people probably know me from either uh, my blog at psychochild.org, or I'm also the current owner and uh, maintainer of the get online game Meridian 59. Okay. Uh, how did you get into games? Like, what inspired you to go into games and then indie games? The, well, I mean, you know, the story I tell everybody is I was always a game developer. I didn't know it when I was a kid, you know. I'd take, you know, scraps of paper and make little board games and things like that. It's kind of funny. And then I got into college. I uh, um, I got into text muds. Uh, you know, I'd be oh, working okay. on my comp sci homework. And, you know, you know, while things were compiling, I'd be playing a text mud in the background. And sometimes I'd forget about the homework and play text muds all night. Um, I really didn't think about getting into uh, game development professionally until a recruiter came through college. Um, Right when I was graduating, a recruiter, uh, not a recruiter, but uh, somebody looking to hire people for a game company that they were running. Um, I applied for the game company. I didn't get the job, unfortunately, but you know, it was one of those moments where I realized, hey, people get paid to make games. So my okay. first job out of my first job out of college was kind of a normal programming gig, business programming gig. But then I used a recruiter, and uh, I landed a job at 3DL working on Meridian 59. Okay, cool. Um, can you talk a little more about Meridian 59? What is it exactly, and um, sure. how to come about? Well, uh, I wasn't one of the original developers of Meridian 59, unfortunately, but uh, um, I know a lot of the original developers. Uh, one of them was my business partner. It was a, an online role-playing game uh, created by uh, essentially garage developers. They um, got together, thought it would be kind of neat to create an online game, um, and... Uh, uh, started going about it, you know, with on a shoestring budget. They eventually got acquired by 3DO and launched the game in '96. Uh, the game was basically it's considered one of the first modern online games. It was uh, the game that introduced the business model where you buy a box in the store, you get a free month, and then you pay a monthly subscription after that. Um, uh, the game is uh, kind of a typical sword and sorcery type game. Um, you know, a lot of the, uh, you have swords and spells and that type of game. Uh, the game focuses a lot more on PvP combat than mo- most modern games do. So it's kind of a little old school in that way. Okay. Um, I also noticed uh, something called Near Death Studios. Whenever I um, get email from you, is is that something you're also working on? Well, Near Death Studios is the current owner of Meridian 59. Oh, okay. Uh, the, basically, uh, the little history of Near Death Studios is we formed the company. Uh, intending to make online games, and then my business partner, who was one of the original developers of Meridian 59, Rob Ellis the second, um, he actually kept writing 3DO, saying, "You're going to sell Meridian 59 yet?" And eventually, he did sell Meridian 59. So, Near Death Studios is the company that we formed and that owns Meridian 59, and is currently running it. So, um, you know, we, we kind of hope to do other uh, online games in the company too, but uh, it looks like it's primarily going to be focusing on uh, on work on Meridian. Okay. Um, you also wrote a book. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about that and what was the inspiration and what it's about? Sure, sure. So, um, yeah, I spent the, most of the last year writing uh, or not. I wrote a little bit of it, but I was primarily an editor on the book. Uh, it's called um, 
sorry. Uh, it's called a uh, business and legal primer for game development. Um, I wrote it with uh, my co-editor was uh, Greg Boyd, who's an intellectual property attorney with Kenyon and Kenyon in New York. Okay. Um, we we got together and he writes a lot about the legal aspects of game development. And we started talking. We're like, you know, there's really no good book for people, you know, especially indie developers, to talk a lot about what we felt was a very important part of game development. You know, a lot of people are very enthusiastic about game development. They get in, they make the game, and then they don't, you know, a lot of times they don't think about what happens at that point. You know, how do you sell the book? Or how do you sell the game? How do you market the game? How do you do, you know, a lot of the stuff? How do you, you know, pay taxes? How do you get yourself, you know, not audited? How do you get your, you know, how do you keep your business running? And so we really thought it would be great. Um, we knew a lot of people together, so we thought it would be great to get the, them together and write a book. So we wrote a um, basically, each each person we knew wrote a different chapter, and so there's, I mean, a lot of, you know, about half the chapters are based on uh, business stuff, like you know, business operations, how to start a company, um, you know, con that type of thing, marketing, and then the other half is on uh, legal aspects of contracts, intellectual property, you know, intellectual property litigation, you know, always a fun topic, um, exit strategies, back to the business side. Um, one of the best chapters is. Uh, one of my favorite chapters, I think, is that what we call I Wish I Knew, where we got a bunch of uh, people to write, you know, little uh, tips and tricks that they've learned, you know, in the career, what they wish, you know, what they wish they knew when they had gotten into it. Okay. Um, you know, and uh, that was really interesting. Another really great chapter was actually written by uh, the, my co-editor, Greg Boyd, um, which is a game development agreement analysis, where he goes through a contract, a typical developer-publisher contract, and goes through it, you know, clause by clause. Um, talking about why this is why this you know was chosen this way, what options a typical developer has, and really kind of exposing his dirty little secrets about how he uh, negotiates contracts with publishers. Okay, um, and what would you say then, um, since you've by seeing like putting this putting together this book, you've had a probably a broad perspective on all the nuances of the business and legal side of indie game development. I mean, what would you say are the important lessons of starting a business? For well, indie games. That, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, for indie games, I think the first and foremost thing is you got to remember this is a business. You know, it, you can. Do, I mean, if you're going to do the game for a hobby, that's great. You know, if you just want to make something that you're going to put up on a website and you know, distribute to your friends, that's great. But if you want to make a serious living out of this, if you want to do this as you know your full-time job, you've really got to treat this as a business, and that means you know getting taxes right. You know, making sure you're following the law. You know, making sure you you know you you doing busy business things right. You know, do you need a business license? Or if you want to incorporate, you know, what's the, what's the method for incorporating in your state or your country? I think, you know, first and foremost, you got to treat it like a business. And I think, uh, you know, and that's hard, too, because, you know, when you're doing all this business stuff and you've got mountains of paperwork and you just want to, you know, you just want to get it in and make it a damn game, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, and what would, you, what would you say are the most important lessons of running a business? Um, I think, you know, the, it's just, you know, you're, especially when you're talking about online games, you really have to pay attention to community. I think I, even this is the case for offline games, too. You know, your best way to get your, you know, your um, the word out about your game is word of mouth. You know, you get people together talking about your game. You get the, you know, the enthusiastic people, the people who absolutely just love your game. You get them talking about it, and then they go talk to the friends, they talk to the family, and they talk to other people. You know, and for online games, I mean, this is, you know, orders of magnitude more important, you know, because if they're online, they're forming a community. You want this community to be a good community to 
really kind of, you know, help the game grow and be welcoming to new people. Okay. Um, do you do that with Meridian 59, then? Uh, somewhat. I mean, Meridian 59 is kind of an interesting situation because, like I said, we were trying to uh, um, essentially preserve the game. I, when I left 3DO, I was the last developer of any knowledge of the game. And so we, uh, when we bought the game, we wanted to save the game because, I mean, there's a lot of older online games that you'll never be able to play anymore. The old Neverwhere Nights on AOL or um, Multiplayer Battletech are two excellent examples of great games in the past that people talk about. Lots of lessons to learn, but, you know, if you didn't play the games back in the day, you're not going to be able to play them now, unfortunately. So we wanted to save uh, Lydia from that fate. So, I mean, we, we tried to kind of nurture the community. On the other hand, you know, the, it's a PvP-focused game, so a lot of the older kind of grizzled veterans that, you know, like to go in there and just kill people for the sake of killing people. You know, kind of, okay. there's that, that tricky balance between, you know, giving the community exactly what they want and doing what's best for the game and the business. Okay. Um, when you talk about nurturing a community, are you talking about even designing the game itself so that it's community-oriented, or are you talking about, like, building a forum or building some of these other some other software to kind of nurture the community? Well, I mean, it really depends on the game. For an online game, you know, for uh, a massive multiplayer-type game, you know, I think, you know, building the community right into the game is a smart way to go. If you're talking more like a traditional, like, a casual game, you know, uh, like a flash type game, I don't necessarily think you have to make it so people can chat within the game if it's more of a single player experience. But having forums definitely, I think, uh, the minimum step you need, or at least having some ways that people, you know, mailing lists, some way that people can talk to each other, and you know, people that are really passionate about the game can connect with other people, because those those are the people that are going to get together, and if they know other people out there that love the game as much as they do, that's going to fire them up and have and encourage them to go out and talk to people. I mean. You know, and and this is really kind of you know this is the this is the indie version of marketing essentially. You know, you you can't spend, you know, if you can spend you know ten thousand dollars on marketing, that's not going to get you very far. But having even just a dozen people that are just really passionate about your game get out there and talking about it is going to be wonderful things for them. Okay, um, and then let's just say an indie game developer finally starts a business, gets it running, and finally makes a game. I mean, what would you, based on Studying the business and legal matters uh, for an indie game development business. What would you do after you make a game? Well, I think the most important thing to do at that point would be to, you know, make sure that your, you know, make sure your taxes are in order. You know, make sure you're doing payroll right. You know, after you get done with the basic things like that, you know, really start looking at your public relations, your PR. You know, this is and this is where you, you know, if you do get a bit of money, this is probably the smart way to spend it. Not, you know, taking out banner ads, but trying to work with a good PR person. To you know, get get your uh, get the information about your game in front of uh, you know ed- editors at large websites or even you know print magazines if you're if you you know if you think you have something that could be interesting of interest to that group. Okay. And, you know, PR is you know basically the cheapest and most effective way to really get your uh, game out before you have that large community of uh, word of mouth people. Okay. Um, since your book also covers legal matters, I mean, what would you say are the most important legal issues that a game developer should look into? Well, I, I think, you know, you really need, on the legal side, you just really need to know uh, contracts because, you know, unless you're doing everything yourself, which, you know, it's possible, but you're going to run into contracts sooner or later, whether it's a distribution agreement with a portal, a, you know, uh, an agreement with uh, uh, you know, an investor or whatever, you know, knowing the basic, just the very basic of contracts, what they mean and what they do is important. 
Uh, I think the second thing is really intellectual property, knowing the difference between you know, what a copyright is, what a trademark is, what a trade secret is, and what a patent is. And, you know, knowing why you can't just take a song off the radio and put it into your game, why that's bad, you know. <laughs> yeah. And that can get you sued, you know, and, you know, put your, you know, put you, you know, depending on the structure of your company, can even put you into serious financial straits. So knowing those basics and being able to uh, protect yourself, protect your company, I think is probably the most important thing. Okay. And um, when you were putting this book together, did you run across any interesting legal issues that game developers did face that you found provocative? There's a lot of, you know, like I said, one of the most interesting chapters was the game development agreement analysis. A lot of the little little tidbits in there were really interesting. You know, uh, a good example is like a, something you may not think is very important, but like a, a choice of venue of law. You know, if uh, you know one publisher, te- one one technique the publisher does is, you know, they make the venue so uh, they can do what they can do is they can make the venue where you know basically where you have to go to sue them. You know, outside your travel area. So, for okay. example, if you're in California and your publisher is in, say, New York. If they make the venue of law in New York, then you, you pretty much have to go to New York in order to uh, sue them. You know, if you're just a small developer, that sucks. The other interesting thing, and this kind of ties back into intellectual property, is like, for example, copyright. One of the things that a lot of developers want to do is they want to own the copyright to their game. The trick is that copyright is what they call infinitely divisible. So essentially what a, a publisher can do if you're not careful, if, you're not, if you don't read the contracts carefully, is they can divide up all the rights. So you have the copyright name, but they have all the rights. So you you know, you have the copyright, but you can't distribute the game, you can't make a derivative of the game, you can't, you know, you can't do anything with the game, you can't use the characters in the game. You know, they own it, but you technically own the copyright, even though that's essentially meaningless. Okay, gotcha. Um you know, another question is is because a lot of things are the online development of indie games is, you know, it's growing rapidly. Um right. Would do you feel that your book would be appropriate for this new online, you know, circumstances where you know you have indie game developers and different types of business models and publisher developer models? Oh, absolutely. I th- you know, like I said, I think just the basic knowledge of intellectual property. Um, and, and, and like I said, you know, the, the book has about three chapters on dealing with different aspects. Of it. You know, one that's just covering intellectual property. One talk. One talks about licensing intellectual property. So you know, if you want to make a game if you want to put a certain you know bit of music in it you know you can read that chapter and find out why that's <laughs> why like even licensing music can be a pain in the ass and then you know the, the whole litigation thing you know what happens if you're sued you know uh, what are your options you know i i think that uh you know and then just everything else uh in the book too you know uh, speaking about online games you know, if you want to talk about master multiplayer games we actually have a whole chapter on virtual world law so, you know, what, you know, mostly covering the end user license agreement, but, you know, what, oh, okay. what, what people, are, you know, what's the current state of, uh, you know, legal thought on the end user license agreement, especially as it applies to the online and virtual world type games. Okay, cool. Um, so now that you've uh, released this book, what's, what's in store for the future in terms of indie game development or writing more books about game development? <laughs> Well, <laughs> I, I ran into another author. Uh, and I was talking about my book. He's like, "Yeah, I think writing a book is about a once in a decade thing." So I've got about you know, ten more years yet before I need to write, want to write another book. But uh, you know, I'm a game developer at heart, so I've been doing uh, some consulting work to try to get my, uh, you know, to, to 
keep food on the table, keep the roof over my head. And I've been kind of working on some uh, um, projects on the side my free time. I've been learning a lot about, uh, I'm a programmer by training, so I've been learning a lot about Stackless Python. Uh, oh, okay. Trying to build kind of a simple uh, game server with that, see if that you know that could lead me into interesting things. You know, if that works out, you know, I might build another game. And you know, you know, having the nice thing about writing a book is, uh, you know, it gets you a lot of uh, attention. So there's been a lot of companies calling me, trying to hire me on. So. Oh really? Um, these companies are they more interested in the game development aspect or the business and legal aspects? Since your book was more about that, when they um, talk to you and consult with you. A little bit. I've been mostly doing game development consulting work, but you know, sometimes having showing that you have a knowledge of the business side that you, you know you can't just you know take a song off the internet and use it in your game, you know, kind of sometimes put you cut above everybody else. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, okay, well, uh, any last words for indie game developers uh, related to I, uh, business and legal aspects? I think I think the big thing is that you know, one of my last chapters was uh, uh, kind of. I wrote the conclusion for the book, and I jokingly on my website, uh, on my blog, I, I said, you know, I, I was thinking about naming it "Don't Commit Suicide Yet." You know, business and legal issues can seem really overwhelming and just incredibly complex, but you know, it's just part of making a game. I mean, it's just like you know, it's like programming or art or music. You know, all those things are really complex to somebody who doesn't know. But you know, you can learn just a little bit of the basics. And you get somebody competent to help you. You know, the, the first thing you need to do. We start doing a business is hire a good accountant, hire a good lawyer, you know, get a good lawyer in retention. And, you know, these things don't cost you a whole lot of money. You're going to need a little bit of money. But, you know, just getting somebody like that on your side is just going to help you tremendously. Um, and, you know, if you want to learn, if you want more information, like I said, my, my blog is psychotrial.org, and uh, more information on the book is uh, in the link on the upper right-hand corner. Okay, and what was the name of the book again? Uh, Business and Legal Primer for Game Development. Okay. Thank you very much, Brian. Appreciate it. Take care.